0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Page 1128,
1: the first chapter of Romans, and we're going to be reading from verse 8. Paul writing to the Christians in Rome. Verse 8. First, I thank my God, through Jesus Christ, for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am bound both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Anthony, thank you very much. I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open. And uh, one other thing you might like to do is to uh, dig out uh, the uh, uh, the sermon outline uh, that has been tucked inside uh, your bundle as well. I think you'll find that helpful as we go through to see where we're going in the next few moments. Well, Bible open, sermon outline perhaps if you want it uh, there as well. Let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, uh, please, would you very kindly and graciously uh, speak to us this uh, evening as we look at your word, not only this evening, but over these next evenings, as we look at the book of Romans, we pray that you'd so capture our hearts with uh, excitement for the gospel, um, that it would be life-changing, even if we've heard the gospel many years before. May it re-grab us, and in a way that uh, changes us and makes us more eager than ever before, to proclaim the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Uh, Stephen uh, Lungu was raised in Zimbabwe uh, at the age of 11. He ran away to live on the streets, uh, became a member of an urban gang called the Black Shadows. And uh, he was sent by um, that gang, along with some other gang members, to uh, firebomb a christian tent meeting that was happening uh, in zimbabwe Uh, amazing thing happened and it's told in this book out of the black shadows uh, where he was converted at the very tent meeting that he went to blow up he encountered the lord jesus christ as he listened to the preacher and he became a christian uh, and turned away from his terrorism that happened on a sunday let me read what happened on monday morning The next monday morning it was early monday morning the bus was crowded with glum commuters the world over it seems going to work early on a monday is a trying business in my newfound excitement i did not perhaps appreciate these monday morning blues i could not keep my joy to myself i felt i was going to burst any minute suddenly i jumped to my feet people looked up at this ragged sand-stained young man I took a deep breath and said in a loud voice, Ladies and gentlemen, do you know what happened to me last night? He's on a bus as he's doing this. Heads the length of the bus swung round. Eyebrows went up. Smiles of faint derision and frowns of faint apprehension played on people's faces. This was all they needed to make their Monday morning melancholy complete. A madman aboard their bus So I hastened to reassure my captive audience that everything was all right, because I had some really good news. I'll tell you what happened to me last night, I shouted over the gasping engine. I found Jesus! Dead silence. Then, hush, scolded one big strong man indignantly. What do you think you're doing? We don't preach on Mondays. But I... The bus lurched to a stop in order to collect yet more passengers. The doors opened and sullen faces peered in, looking for a small space into which they might squeeze. In the momentary lull in engine noise, I turned eagerly to the man and thus did not see another man, a seat or two away, standing up and approach me. Yes, but I began when I was roughly seized from behind. "'It's Monday,' the man bellowed. "'No preaching. This is the white man's God.' A hard thump in the lower back followed and I shot out of the door of the bus as if rocket propelled, landing face first in the clouds of dust. I was too utterly amazed to protest. As I spat grit out of my mouth, the bus gave a great roar and staggered off again. Several black faces pressed against the grimy windows and eyed me with their mild interest. I scrambled stiffly to my feet, feeling quite shaken Preaching was obviously going to be more hazardous than I'd anticipated. But where had I gone wrong? Never mind. I brushed myself off as best I could and waited for the next bus. (laughs) I love it. Stephen Lungu felt so compelled to tell people about Jesus when he only met him the night before. When the gospel grabs you, when you really believe the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ grabs hold of your life, you have to tell everyone you meet. That's what we see here in Romans chapter one. And we come to our first point if you're following on the handout. I am bound, verse 14. Do you see, that's what the apostle Paul says. I am bound, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish to preach the gospel. Literally, the word is indebted. Paul feels an, an obligation Every day when he got out of bed in the morning and drew back the curtains, he felt compelled about how to live that day and every day of his life. Now, I reckon in these three headings that I've got here, there's a surprise in each one. And here's the first surprise. The surprise for me as I read verse 14 and he says, I am bound, the surprise is who he is bound to. I'd have expected Paul to write, I am bound to Jesus Christ. We saw last week how he started this letter in verse one by calling himself a slave. It says here servant, but it's stronger, a slave of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus had so captured him that he knew he belonged to Jesus. I'd have expected him to write in verse 14, I am bound to Jesus But while he is a slave of Jesus, the daily obligation he writes about here, do you see it in verse 14, was to Greeks and non-Greeks. More literally, to Greeks and barbarians. And verse 14, to the wise and the foolish. Paul is saying in verse 14 that he is bound to all people, to all cultures, Greek and barbarians, to all classes, wise and foolish. He's saying, I'm bound to everyone. And you'll see in verse 15 that what he's bound to do is to preach the gospel he felt an obligation to preach the gospel to the city businessman and to the homeless guy to the white middle-class neighbor and to the illegal immigrant to the respectable law-abiding citizen and to the wicked felon that's what the gospel does to us when we get it still remember when i first became a christian do you remember when when you did i can still remember feeling so excited that i was forgiven That the past was wiped clean and the future secure. That heaven was certain that I would spend all eternity in the presence of God. I was bursting with excitement. It was life changing. I wanted to tell people. And rather naively, I thought everybody would want to hear that they too could be forgiven and put right with God and be sure of being with God for all eternity. Why wouldn't they want to know that good news? That's what the gospel does for you when you get it. You want to tell people. But what Paul is saying here is bigger than that and stronger than that. He's not just saying that he wants to preach the gospel, but that he is bound to. See, it didn't take me long to discover, as Stephen Lungu discovered, that most people I spoke to about Jesus didn't want to know. And that soon takes the wind out of your sails. And so excitement about Jesus isn't enough to keep you going when the going gets tough. Paul wasn't just excited that he was forgiven. This is much stronger in verse 14. He felt bound, obliged to speak to everyone of all cultures and all classes, whether they wanted to hear it or not. Every day when he got up in the morning, he felt he had to tell them, I feel bound to people. And that is because he really knew the gospel and really believed what he writes here in the rest of Romans. Paul really believed that there was no other way for men and women to be saved. Paul really believed that without people knowing the gospel of Jesus, they would come, as we'll read later on, next week particularly, they would come face to face with almighty God and face God with a sinful criminal record and therefore face only God's wrath and eternal punishment when they die. Now, when we get that and really believe it, we don't just want to tell people about Jesus Christ because we think it's good news, but we will feel bound, we will feel obliged to tell everyone we meet. How can any decent human being not tell other human beings the message of the gospel if it really is the only way a person can be saved from God's wrath and judgment and eternity in hell? But so often we don't feel this same obligation and that is because we don't really believe this gospel i found it often in my own life i look at friends of mine and they're nice people and i think to myself surely they'll be all right on judgment day i remember thinking it uh, when i lived in london we lived in a lovely little street in london directly across the road from us we're a delightful retired couple uh, this couple had never had children of their own, and so when our twin girls came along, they, they were very kind to us, and, and they, they really took to the girls. Uh, they remembered their birthdays and uh, uh, their birthday same day. Uh, they bought them presents, and uh, when they went away, they would, they would keep an eye. On, when we went away, they would keep an eye on the house and, and water the plants. And if we'd had a cat, they'd have looked after it. In fact, I felt like I ought to get one just so they could. They, they were lovely. And I found myself thinking, surely God will be merciful to them on judgment day. Surely they'll, they'll get into heaven, won't they? Now you see, at that point, I was changing the gospel. I wasn't believing the gospel as we're going to see it laid out here in the book of Romans. Because the truth is that whenever I invited those neighbours to hear about Jesus, they made it very clear they weren't interested. They weren't interested in Jesus. They didn't even accept an invitation to carols by candlelight. But this point is not about them, but about me. You see, at times, I didn't feel bound to tell them and others the gospel because I didn't believe the gospel, but thought that people just might be okay on judgment day, even without faith in Jesus Christ. Many years ago now, when I was at a previous church, uh, several churches back, I met a member of the congregation whose mother had just died. Uh, As I met her, I said I was was sorry. uh, And she said these words, thank you. But you know, I didn't like to see her suffering and it's comforting to know that she's in a better place now. And I said, oh, she was a committed Christian then. To which this lady replied, well, no, but she was a good person. She was a wonderful mum and I'm sure that God will be merciful to her. This lady was a member of our congregation. She was a real Christian person. But she thought that her mum would get in through the back door. Now look, I understand why at times like that people want to think that their loved one will be saved apart from Jesus Christ. But do you see, if we believe that people will be saved apart from the gospel, we will never feel bound, never feel obliged to preach the gospel to everyone we meet. As we work through this letter, and especially next week and the week after, we should be left in no doubt that no one can be made right with God through their own performance, through them being nice and respectable. No one can be made right with God apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And you see, it is crucial that we believe that or we will never be sold out for Jesus Christ. We will never be really effective Christian workers for Christ. We'll not feel what Paul felt in verse 14, bound, that sense of obligation to see the gospel proclaimed to everyone. Remember last week? Remember why Paul wrote this letter? And if you did miss it, there's a short video on the website you can watch as an introduction to the book of Romans. The reason Paul wrote to the church in Rome was to foster true gospel partnership with them, to get the church in Rome to support Paul's church planting plans in Spain, to support him practically with pounds and people and prayer. Paul writes this letter to motivate people to give money and to go to Spain and to get on their knees to pray for him. And this letter should do the same for us. Unless we are sure of this gospel, that this gospel is the only way for men and women to be saved, we'll not give money sacrificially and go on church plants, even though it uproots us and we'll not be involved in evangelism when it gets tough and we'll not get down on our knees and pray i mean really pray for the gospel to advance in sheffield and yorkshire and all over the north of england we'll not feel that overwhelming obligation to preach the gospel to everyone unless we believe this gospel i am bound and that's why second paul writes in verse 15 i am eager See, he says, that is why I'm eager, to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I love that word, eager. As Paul got up in the morning, I can picture picture him having a quick shower and putting on his trousers as quickly as he could and rushing down his breakfast as quickly as he could so he could get out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm eager. And the word word is single-minded, zealous to share the gospel. But the surprise in verse 15 is that Paul is eager, do you see it there, to preach the gospel to who? The Christians in Rome. Here's the second the surprise you see for me. He wanted to preach the gospel, not to the unbelievers, but to the Christians. So it raises the question, why does Paul want to preach the gospel to Christians? I mean, we have already seen he wants to preach it to Greeks and barbarians, wise and food. He, to preach it, he does want to preach it to unbelievers as well, but in verse 15, why does he want to preach the gospel to Christians? Well, again, we began to see last week how Paul was desperate to visit them in Rome. We see it right through verses 8 to 13. Let me uh, quickly take you through verses 8 to 13. Look back to verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you. You see, he's praising God for the church in Rome in verse 8. And then in verse 9, he, he's praying for them. He says, uh, look, you can, you can ask God, I pray for you regularly. And verse 10 In my prayers at all times, I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. We saw that last week. He prayed that he'd be able to go and see them. And he longed to see them, verse 11, so that he could strengthen them in their faith. He wanted to encourage them. Indeed, verse 12, he expected his visit to Rome to be an encouragement to him too. As end of verse 13, he expected to have a harvest among them. Now let me try and put all this together. I put a little summary of it on the handout so that it makes sense. This is all again about the thing we saw last week in chapter 15, verse 24. Paul is going to Rome in order to get them to support him in his church planting missionary journey to Spain. He wants them to be clear on the gospel, hence this letter that is why he's eager to preach the gospel to them because the gospel will encourage them and make them strong in their faith so they'll want to give him money and go with him to spain and pray for him that's how they will be an encouragement to paul and that is the harvest he expects to have among them so putting all this together you see reading this has made me eager not just to proclaim the gospel to unbelievers but to preach the gospel to christians here at forward and to teach this letter over these next weeks i'm eager to do it because it is this gospel in the book of romans that will motivate us to go and give and pray so that as a church family we can meet our obligation to preach the gospel to everyone we meet I'm eager because I reckon preaching this letter could be a key moment for us in the life of Christ Church Forward. Because of our church planting endeavours in these last years, and I mentioned this uh, uh, last week, because we've pressed on in training leaders, we have a financial challenge among, among us, facing us this next year. And then we've got plans to redevelop this building so that we can be more effective in training leaders and growing forward adding further to the financial challenge ahead of us this is a key moment for us as a church family but look if the preaching of the gospel through the book of romans really grabs us it could be the making of us it could make us sore as a church family with more of us giving more more of us ready to go on more church plants more of us wanting to tell the uh, the gospel to our friends if the gospel grabs us as it grabbed paul it will have a huge impact on us here so then paul's eagerness to preach the gospel in rome sprung from a sense of obligation to everyone ah i'm going to preach the gospel to you in rome because as you get the gospel you'll want to support me in my missionary journey and i want to preach the gospel to everyone and all that came about because he knew the gospel was the only way of salvation which leads to the third i am of this passage and it's over the page on the handout We've seen him write, I'm bound. We've seen him write, I'm eager. Now we see verse uh, 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Here's the third surprise. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> That's the surprise for me because, well, then don't know whether you join me in this. I desperately sometimes often am ashamed of the gospel paul was not ashamed of the gospel because you see it there in verse 16 he knew the gospel is the power of god for salvation that's why he wasn't ashamed and that's why that's what tells us why we sometimes are it's because we don't get what the gospel deals with that we're sometimes ashamed of it we forget that the gospel is verse 16 the power of god for salvation it saves us now the point of this is it's on the final day of judgment on salvation day that the gospel really makes a difference if we don't remember that we will be ashamed of the gospel from time to time because the point is this the gospel doesn't seem to make much difference on a day-to-day basis now don't get me wrong of course the gospel makes a difference today of course it changes my life today but look at it from the perspective of the unbeliever and it doesn't seem to make much difference tell your friend the gospel and bring them along to church and as they look on there's not much to see we don't look very different from them indeed as they get to know us they might wonder what all the fuss is about after all we still sin we still suffer and we still die All the big issues that people are concerned about, they still happen to us. We still sin, so as your friends rub shoulders with us, they'll meet people who are still selfish and who stupidly go their own way. We still suffer, and if your friend stays around long enough, they'll soon see see that we still suffer. Christians still get cancer. I met one this morning, and every other disease. And we still get injured in car crashes, and we still get crushed by the calamities of this cruel world. We still sin, we still suffer, and we still die as we witnessed here on Monday at the funeral of our dear brother Ian Topham. So do you see, as your friend looks on, the gospel doesn't seem to make much difference today. Oh, there's lots of ways we can say it makes a difference, but it doesn't seem to make a lot of difference, does it? And that's why we're tempted to feel ashamed of the gospel. But verse 16, Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because he knew it is the power of God for salvation. It is on the final day of judgment that Paul knows that we and our friends will really see the power of the gospel. That's when we'll really see it. John Chapman, the Australian evangelist um, who died last year, uh, brought this home to me. Uh, uh, Andrew knew Chapo uh, well when he was in Sydney. I remember Chapo over here um, uh, leading a a conference and um, he described the moment on judgment day when our friends would come face to face with God. You probably heard him say this, Andrew. When we're we're, we're being led off to spend eternity with him forever and they are being led off to spend all eternity without him in hell. And Chapo says, as you're being led off on one way and your friends are being led off the other and they turn around and they look at you and they say, why didn't you tell us? we will see the power of God in the gospel on Judgment Day. Paul knew that, and so he was not ashamed of the gospel, verse 16. And so he felt bound to tell people, verse 14, and he was eager to preach the gospel to the believers so that they too would feel that same obligation, so that they would give their lives over to his missionary work in Spain and beyond. As we close, what is the kernel of the gospel that Paul preached? well verses 16 and 17 are a summary of it and of this letter as we draw to a close uh, let's not miss what we've already seen this gospel is for everyone Do you see it there in verse 16 Jew and Gentile in Paul's thinking if you're not a Jew you're a Gentile that's the whole world everyone we've already seen it in verse 14 it's for Greek and barbarian wise and foolish it's for everyone because it is the only way to be right with God and what is this gospel verse 17 In the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, the righteousness that is by faith from first, first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Not hard to see what it's about, is it? The gospel is all about righteousness. It's all about being in a right relationship with God. This gospel deals with the great problem that God is a righteous God. And we are unrighteous, sinful human beings. How can a righteous God allow unrighteous, sinful people to be in a right relationship with him? How can a righteous God be just and rightly punish our sin and at the same time forgive us and so reconcile us to himself? How can he do that? That's what this gospel is all about. It's about the incredible action God takes to solve the problem of the wickedness, the unrighteousness in my heart. It's all about how He acts to make me righteous and at the same time somehow remains righteous Himself. And that righteousness that we so desperately need when we face God on Judgment Day comes, do you see it there, verse 17, by faith. From first to last, that is from beginning to end. It's all about faith in Jesus Christ, not about anything we do, all about faith in him. I can't earn this righteousness. It comes only through putting my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ. That is what Paul is going to explain in the chapters that lie ahead. He's gonna show us why, why we have a problem. And he's gonna show us how God solves the problem. And when we get it, it is life-changing Martin Luther, the 16th century Augustinian monk was haunted by God's righteousness and by his own sin. He tried every means the church offered in his quest for peace with God and Martin Luther wrote these words. My situation was that although an impeccable monk I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience. Then I grasped the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy God justifies us through faith. Then I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors into paradise. Understanding the gospel through this letter to the Romans changed Luther, changed his life completely and it was a spark for a reformation in the church that transformed Europe. Europe. When I know the gospel, then I am bound, obligated to tell others, like Paul, all over the world, like Luther, all over Europe, like Stephen Lungu on the buses in Zimbabwe, and like us tomorrow at school and uni and work with our colleagues and friends and neighbours. I am bound, I am eager, I am not ashamed. Start tomorrow by inviting your friends to the Harvest Supper, the Harvest Banquet, and to our guest services in two weeks' time. And through this year, be involved in the Passion for Life initiative that you're going to hear more and more about as we go on through the year. Tell everyone, don't be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you be kind uh, to us as individuals and to us as a church family that the gospel that many of us know and have known for a long time would grab us afresh as we work through this book of Romans. Uh, Even tonight, would grab our hearts so that we feel that same obligation. We feel bound to proclaim the gospel to everyone we meet. May it start tomorrow, may it start tonight as we meet people tonight who don't know the gospel. And please help us to remember the gospel is about salvation. It's all about, well, ultimately about that final day. And may that stop us being ashamed of it. We ask, please, that just as this book of Romans and the gospel has so changed individuals, which in turn has changed whole continents, we ask that it might change us, us as a church, this city, Yorkshire, the north of England, and beyond would you begin something special over these weeks we pray in jesus name amen